my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. And this is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. If you have any questions to uh, about today's subject, you can text them to our desk on 0438 This week we're asking that big question, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? Today we ask, how do I read the Bible so it speaks to me? Our specialist in the hot seat today is Helen Gray, Helen's lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. It's great to have you with us today, Helen. Thanks, Gary. It's great to be here again. People, people really appreciate your uh, your ministry. Thank you. Uh, tell me, uh, Helen, uh, the Bible. It's been part of your work for for a good many years. What's your favourite book of the Bible? Well, Gary, people ask me that often, and I say. I don't know that I've really got a favourite book, but I do have favourite texts. But in coming back to the favourite book, the one that brought me into <clears throat> the light and loving God's word was one that's been mentioned a lot this week, and that was Daniel. The book of Daniel must have something special about oh, it. Daniel was what led me to believe in the Bible. It showed me that there is a God who can be trusted, a God who who obviously knows the future mm-hmm. because it has come true. And I was absolutely blown away when I first heard it. And I even, I I was doubtful when I first heard it, even though I thought I've never heard this before. But I went, my brother and I, we went to the history books Mm -hmm. and we double-checked what this man was telling us. And that man was Pastor Raymond Stanley. And um, You actually went, it wouldn't have been online, you went to the encyclopedias in those days and actually checked yeah, out what he was saying. Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, that, that goes the back a few copy. years, indeed, yeah. indeed. Thank you, I'm showing my age yeah, now. Yeah. But yeah, and, and we were just blown away, totally blown away. So that is a very special book to me. But in actual essence, the whole Bible is special. Mm. And... Um, yeah, and when I started to learn what Revelation was all about, that took a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But I would say of the sections that are, I love the most, I love Daniel, I love Revelation, but the, the topic I love the most is, well, of course, reading about Jesus, but it's all about Jesus, mm-hmm. is the sanctuary message. I just can't seem to get enough. We, we, we must dig into that sometime oh. because there's a lot of people, not of our listeners wouldn't actually understand what you're talking no. about when you talk about the sanctuary message. Yes. Yeah, it's a message of salvation. Okay, a message yeah. of salvation as displayed it's, even in the Old Testament. Yeah, and it's an object lesson. Yeah. And yeah. there's about 50 chapters that yeah. are, have been devoted to the sanctuary. Yeah. Some say 73 if you pick up on the little innuendos. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of sanctuary sanctuary language through the whole scriptures. I this is actually one of the, one of the, uh, the, the subjects that the book of Hebrews, Paul in Hebrews, actually picks up on. Yes. And he, he mm-hmm. shares on this subject a yeah. great deal. Yeah, but it is. It's right through. We're doing a study for prayer meetings at the moment uh, at Birdwood, and we're dealing with the sanctuary. We're doing mm. a little bit every week, and um, we've only just started it. We're on to our third week coming up, wow. and the things that have already been learned is just amazing. 
Tell me, Helen, let me ask you this question. I, 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 I've been tempted to ask people this in the last few days, but let me ask you, how many copies of the Bible do you have? Well, Gary, I was mentally going through my head because you asked me that just before we came on air. And I said, if I'd realized that, Gary, I would have counted them all up um, because I'd, I've counted in my mind there are more than 10. So in your bookshelf, you have more. Why do you have so many? <laughs> Um, well, they're not all the same version, obviously. Yeah. We have the big family Bible. Yeah. It's on my coffee table. Yeah. And um, I, I study from the King James Version myself, mm-hmm. um, but I also read other versions and I mm-hmm. do comparison studies. And um, I've got a Spirit-filled Bible. I've got um, the English translation, the New Living Translation. And I like to compare I like mm. to compare. And um, even some books that people in their denomination call the Bible, which we don't, I do a comparison on that as well. And so, yeah, in my mind, mentally, I was thinking, yeah, I've probably got about 10, but I've given a lot more than that away. Is there, is there one that you prefer above, above others? Well, it's, it's interesting you ask me that because for, for an in-depth study, I do go to the King James. However, okay. Okay. Um, I'm very, very passionate on the New, the, uh, New Living Translation. Okay, yes. okay. Actually, that's a, that's one of the translations that I've come to really appreciate yes. in the last little while because it, of course, translates to the thoughts of the, the scriptures rather than that, you know, word for, for word as most of our versions actually do, uh, do, yeah. do. And I, I really appreciate that particular one, actually. Well, this one I've got on the desk. You can see it's a very big one because now I've gone onto large print. <laughs> Yeah, I have the same problem, actually. I, look, I just love it. Yeah. And I love some of the comments, but I love the way it's written, yeah. the Bible. I've got, I've got the Passion Bible at home as well. Yeah. And uh, I love the way that they've put Psalms. Yeah. And um, it just, it just well, the Bible's a living book. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I remember once I was listening, to, I was reading another translation, and I thought, oh, no, that's not in the King James. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I went, it is in the King James. Is, yeah, I had yeah, read that yeah. passage so many times I'd skipped it. Yeah, you know, I just yeah. you read it and you don't take it in. But it was reading it in, in a different translation. I prefer translations to paraphrases. Yeah. But, you know, it was reading in a different translation that I picked it up. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, well, there you go. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's really fantastic. Well, let me ask you, are there any parts of the Bible you actually struggle with? Well, I think probably if everybody was honest, we'd all have to say yes to that, Gary. But you're um, a Bible student. Oh, yes. I wasn't always a Bible student, remember. Yeah. But the more that I study Scripture, the more I love it. Yeah. The one book that I probably have struggled with the most, um, I love the Minor Prophets, but I'd have mm. to say the Song of Solomon. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I know you're laughing, Gary. But <laughs> when I first read that, I went, whoops, what is this in the Bible for? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I have several books and commentaries on the Song of Solomon. And as I've been studying it more, I'm starting to really, really appreciate it. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a journey, I believe, that we're on, Gary. It's a real yeah. journey. Yeah. Um, it took a while for me to really appreciate the scriptures yeah. um, and also in, in how to study it because I was never really taught how to study the Bible. Mm. So you're saying that to appreciate the scriptures, it actually takes some time to learn how to do that. Well, I believe that you can appreciate the scriptures without all that in-depth study because the Holy Spirit mm. can speak to your mm. heart. Mm. 
But I was really amazed when I started to run women's ministry meetings. Yeah. And there were some women in there that had been um, in in the church for you know, years, some had been yeah. brought up in the church. And I made the wrong mistake, the wrong assumption that being brought up in a church, which, which is different to me, being brought up in a church, you had an advantage. But as it was explained to me by one of the ladies, don't believe that we all know all there is because we've been brought up. Mm. And she said, you're, you're at an advantage to us because you have come into the church. Yeah. You've attended a mission and you've learned all that. Yeah. And I was astounded. Yeah. And then I started doing my own little survey and asking people, did they know how to study the Bible? Mm. And most of them didn't. Okay. And that was a revelation to me. And um, I was fortunate. I did go to do some training yeah. before I entered the ministry work. And we were taught how to study the Bible. Okay. And there are many ways of doing it. Yes. But that opened it up for me. And so I make it a practice now to go through a process with anybody that I'm leading, yeah. uh, whether it be in a meeting they've asked me to run, to say, look, I'd like to start by Let's see how do we study the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's and, that's um, actually really powerful and really important because th- having that particular skill and particularly having been taught, because I am conscious that so many uh, listen to to sermons and they hear what somebody else has actually dug out of the Bible, yes. but to actually dig it out themselves, they don't really have the have the necessary skills to know how to do that. No, no, and in fact, I was listening to you. I think you said before, was it yesterday? Or the other day you were saying how you know you preach a sermon and then people forget it yeah well one of the joys that i had was i met up i met a, a family that that go to the church that i'm now ministering mm. with and um when i met the wife she said oh she said you came and preached to us and mm. i can tell you what your sermon was mm. and i went excuse me that's powerful <laughs> and i hadn't been it? there for a while and she actually told me what the sermon was. It was on the book of um, Philippians. Yeah. And I had given them a handout at the end. Mm. And she said she keeps that and she looks it up. And, I, you know, we're learning all the time, Gary. Mm. I learned a lesson that mm. day, mm. you know, on how to help people a little bit more. So hopefully we'll have time today and I, um, I'll show you one lot of study or the listeners one lot of study that has been terrific for me, which I have only just learnt this mm-hmm. year. Okay, we're going to. Co- oh, this is really important. Um, by the way, are you you're available for preaching appointments if people want to uh, engage you, aren't you? Absolutely, Gary. Yeah. I just love sharing the Lord. In fact, I was just talking to a couple this morning, and we got onto the subject of the Lord, and and I finally said, "Oh, look, I'm sorry. I don't think you meant me to give you a sermon." And they said, "It wasn't a sermon you were given. We were just fascinated." And I said, yeah. "I can't help myself." Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just have it's a wonderful thing when you can actually fascinate people oh, with the Word of God, isn't it? That's that's God working. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing yeah, no. to do with us, Gary. Yeah, no, no that's Lord. powerful. That's wonderful, uh, Helen. Look, we'll come back in a moment, but let's come right now to uh, uh, to some music. This is uh, Rambos, uh, sheltered in the arms of God.
Welcome again to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary. This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have any questions on today's subject or any other subject, you can text them to our desk on 0438 665 Today I have with me Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week, of course, we're asking the big question, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium. We started this week with Pastor Mark Wilson. He looked at the question, can I trust a book that is so old? He came with a desk full of archaeological evidence, evidence from history to and suggested strongly that indeed I can trust the book, the, the Bible. I might say, Gary, it was a big desk too. Oh, I tell you what, this desk was actually a, 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 groaning under the weight of pottery fragments that were uh, two and a half thousand years old that he had actually picked up on uh, uh, on archaeological digs. Fascinating. That, that was it? absolutely fascinating. Uh, the next day on Tuesday, Eric Hall looked at the remarkable claims the Bible makes about itself. You know, Helen, that is something when I consider what the Bible's actually saying about itself, they're the sorts of claims that there's no other book I know of that actually makes those claims. Yeah, I'm with you, Gary. I don't know of any other either. You know, I mean, to be inspired, not from human mind, but rather from a a supernatural source is a remarkable uh, statement. Uh, yesterday, Pastor Joseph Matichik, uh looked at the recently completed study uh, that looked at the, de- the decreasing number of Christians that are taking the Bible seriously. And then today, we're asking the super practical question, how do I read the Bible so that it speaks to me? But Helen, I just want to go back before I do to yesterday's subject, um, because you know, the thing I'm conscious of is that the Bible remains the world's best-selling book. Yet, if the research that we looked at yesterday is correct, uh, the Bible is also the least-read book in the world. You know, to, to what extent do you think the uh, the Bible has become something of a, I suppose, a religious symbol? Well, sad to say, I agree it has become that way. And often if people have, say, for example, the family Bible that we've got, it's on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, I don't drink coffee, but the Bible's sitting there. And it's almost like it's a status symbol. Somebody walks in, and that's not why I've got it there, by the way, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you walk into someone's home and you glance around and you think, oh, okay, these people are Christians. Mm -hmm. I made the mistake once of asking someone that had a cross around their neck. I said, oh, you're a Christian. They said, no, I just like the jewellery. And mm. uh, that became a symbol for them. Yeah, And yeah. I think people do that with the Bible. And I think, not that they mean to, Gary. I don't know that everybody means to do that. Mm-hmm. I think our intentions, um, especially of those that have been touched by the Bible in any way, our intentions are good, Yeah. but we often get distracted. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I, I was looking through something the other day that was saying, excuses, excuses, excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, and just quickly, some of them, I don't have time to read. I don't know where to begin. I just don't get it. The Bible is so dull. I don't see how the Bible applies to my life. I hear Bible readings in church every Every week, isn't that enough? The Bible makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, no, that's a, that's a challenging one. I like that one. 
I mm. really like that one because I believe that that God didn't intend for us. He didn't actually intend for us to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, He came to make the comfortable uncomfortable, if you like. Mm-hmm. Because when you start to read the Bible, you need to get to the point where it will touch you, it will change you, and you will have to make a choice. Yeah, and yeah. that choice can be. An eternal choice that can affect you. For this is something eternity. that a lot of people don't actually realise, isn't it? You know that yes. the scriptures actually, uh, the parts that often get quoted are the parts that uh, we we feel safe with. You know, mm-hmm. love one another, important yes. important principle. You know, yes. um, and yet those portions of the scripture that challenge contemporary thinking is something that seems to be put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was interested before when you made the comment about statistics. You know that, that many, <clears throat> many people have in in have the Bible, and I was thinking of one statistic I read. It's quite some time ago, so it's probably even out of date now. But it was saying that ninety-two percent of all Australians and Americans have at least three Bibles in their homes. Perhaps, um, unfortunately, they don't even realise that there's a fortune hidden in the pages. Mm. They don't realise the priceless treasure that's there. And if the pastor was to come in uh, to visit, they would feel they'd have to dust the top of the Bible first. Okay, so that that actually leads us to another question. Do you think that even amongst Christian people there's been a, a decline in biblical literacy? I'm sorry to say that I feel it has. Uh-huh. Um, I think part of that uh, could well become because people can now watch programs uh-huh. that are biblically based. For example, um, the th- 3ABM yeah, yeah, um, yeah. on the Christian channels or Hope Channel, Amazing Discoveries. And I remember listening to Pastor Doug Batchelor one day and he said, don't just spend all the time watching these. Mm. You need to have a personal relationship, get into mm. the Word. Although they're helpful, I think too many people are doing that now. And and as I said, they've also got a lot of excuses. Mm. And and it's sad. I'm, I'm pleased to see some people bring their Bibles when they come to church, mm. or it's either on, on the modern technology now mm. or it's in their hand. I love to hear the Bible being turned. Mm. Um, when you're when you're giving a sermon, and I love to see a group of people studying the Bible mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think because of the life that we live, although we can't get together much at the moment, but I think even when we can, there's so many distractions in this world, which mm-hmm. leads me to believe that even as Christians, we don't make the Bible the top priority. And this this decline of biblical literacy actually leads into so much other um, so many other areas in your life because your thinking processes tend to follow a secular worldview instead of a biblical worldview. You know, one of the things that I'm just really really conscious of is in this area of the decline of biblical literacy. I remember on one particular occasion, I was uh, uh, I was actually studying the scriptures with a uh, with a young man. Well, he wasn't quite as he wasn't a teenager. He was now in his his twenties. He had actually been to a uh, to a faith based school. So I assumed that he knew a, a fair bit about the Bible. And on this particular occasion, in fact, for the previous two or three weeks, I'd been studying through with him the book of Daniel. I love the book of Daniel. I think there's a, so much in that book. And uh, he. Um, uh, he started to ask me some questions about the book and finally on about the third or the fourth night he said to me oh, by the way Gary uh, who is Daniel and he, we've been talking about the, the prophecies in Daniel and I said well you know 6th century BC prophet I said you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den you've, you've heard of Daniel 
he looked at me and said, no, I've never heard the story of Dan. What's Daniel in the lion's den? And all of a sudden, I realized the huge mistake that I'd actually made because here we had uh, a young man who, um, who's biblical. He was try- we were trying to talk about biblical prophecy and the power of biblical prophecy, but he didn't understand the God who could rescue a man from the lion's den. You know, Gary, you've touched on something that's dear to my heart and what I often tell people, or don't tell them, but I suggest to them, um, even when you're taking a sermon, never assume that your congregation knows or your audience knows yeah, all yeah. that you're saying. I hear it too many times, Gary. I hear yeah. them say, like, just what you've done. Oh, well, you know about Daniel and the lion's den. I was taught very much that by my friend's husband. He he was not an Adventist. He came along and um, to church but he used to get frustrated because the, the speaker up the front would say, now we'll look at um, book so-and-so in the Bible. Mm. And by the time he found it, mm. the preacher was on to something else. And, mm. and I watched him one day, and he actually slammed the Bible shut and just sat there. And then, then he'd say something like, and not just one, sadly enough, it happens over and over again. Yeah. You know, oh, we all know this, you all know that. People don't all know this yeah. and that. Yeah. And we must never, ever assume. Yeah. It's yeah. a good lesson to learn, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's actually, I've actually spoken to people who have said, look, I don't want to come along to your uh, your Bible study classes because it's embarrassing. Yes. Because everyone else there knows so much more than me. And, you know, to me, I think that this is something that in the world in which we're living really sends a powerful message to those of us uh, who are familiar mm. uh, with what the Scriptures are actually teaching. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Mm. Okay, just let's just go to just one, one more question here. Um, is reading and understanding the Bible really necessary in the Christian experience? Is it really necessary? That is such an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I lived in a third world country for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And some of those people way up in the highlands, they couldn't read and um, and write. So how do they study the Bible? Mm-hmm. And yet I have seen them converted. Yeah. By the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy by Spirit. prayer and the yeah. power of the Holy yeah. Spirit, yeah. I believe that if you can, uh, if you can't read and write, go to somebody who can yeah. to teach or help you. I know one lass; um, she's a very dear friend of mine. She taught herself to read by reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and her knowledge of Scripture is just amazing. Yeah. And she has Asperger's. Yeah. You know, it's just absolutely amazing. And and I just I just praise God for that. But as far as you're saying is it necessary for the Christian experience? I believe there is a walk. When you come to Christ, it's, you start to come to Christ. It seems to be more of us than and less of him. Yeah. As you get a little closer, there's less of us and yeah. more of him. Yeah. But as you get right close to him, yeah. it's all of Christ and none of me. Mm. Now, to get that Christian experience, yes, I believe the other side of the coin is you have a Bible. I believe it is it is important and it's essential to read it and study and see Mm. what God's will is for your life. Mm. Because unless we know, you know, faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. Mm. 
And that's Paul in the so, book of Romans. Yes. Yes. So yes. there is definitely a place for it. But I wouldn't say that people can't have a Christian experience if they don't do that because I have seen it happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yes, ultimately, I think once you know, um, the more you get into the word, the more the Holy Spirit works in your life, the more that he gives you understanding. And the, But the Holy Spirit is able to work through the word yes. to actually impact a person's life. If, if, if the word is not present... The Holy Spirit is not bound, mm. but according to you know that that verse that you quoted there that from from Romans, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Apparently, the, the Word of God is almost a tool that the Holy Spirit can actually use to convict the mind of those who are wanting to walk with Christ. That's is, a great way of putting it, Gary. Yeah, we're also told that the the Bible is living. Living and active. It's, it's the living word. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, yeah, that alone, how do we know it's a living word? Because we see people transformed. Mm, mm, you mm. know? And when you come to know Christ, it's, well, I can just say, I'm living life more abundantly now than I ever did. Mm. Mm. And that's what we're promised. That's Jesus powerful. promises that. That's powerful. Because the word is, it's all about Jesus. Yeah. Right yeah. through yeah. from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. I'd love to have been with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Yeah. Listening to that amazing oh, sermon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christ actually presenting himself. What yes. a, from the Old Testament. Yes. I mean, what would he have actually said to those two mm. disciples? That's, that's powerful. Yeah. Helen. We're going to get break for some music, but after our music, I want us to come back because I, I want you to, I suppose, teach us how do I read the Bible so it really speaks to me. I want you to use some practical examples on this. Love so to. let's break for some music, and I straight after music we'll be back, and that's the, the that's the question. So you can brush up on that in the uh, in the next minute or so. A long piece of music. Uh, oh, a long piece of music. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, this is uh, this is the Cox family. Uh, will there be? Any stars? In 
trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary. Uh, This is the program where we look each week at difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. Today I have with me Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Helen, it's great to have you, and thank you so much for the responses that you've been uh, been giving to us at uh, to this point. Gary, it's a delight to be here. Today, uh, today we're asking uh, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium, uh, and particularly... How do I read the Bible so it really speaks to me? Helen, help us out. You know, you've worked with the Bible for many years. How do I read the Bible so it speaks to me? Okay. Well, there are various many, many ways of reading the Bible, but you've asked how does it speak to you? Well, I'd like you first of all, Gary, turn to Psalm uh, sorry, Isaiah fifty three. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You want me to turn to Isaiah 53? Yeah, I want you to turn to well, it. Just as well I brought my Bible with me today. I saw it there, Gary. It Otherwise did. you would borrow mine. But, yeah, it's got big print mine. Yeah, well, so is mine. So <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. Okay, Isaiah 53. What's Isaiah 53 mainly talking about? Well, this is, uh, this is a prophecy uh, concerning the coming of Christ. How do you know? Uh, well, because it... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Gary, you're I not often stuck for well, words. I, I, I'm tempted to think this is a leading question. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little reticent to ask and to answer leading questions. Well, Gary, I would say you probably know because you've studied it. Uh, indeed, Would that be indeed, right? I'm indeed. sorry to put you on the spot. Indeed. I, I, I'm just a little cautious of... Uh, uh, <laughs> do you yeah. know me, Gary? I do indeed. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's talking about Christ as you actually go through it. And and when I started to read this, this particular text, I was reading it through, and one day I remembered reading that there was a captain on a ship that was dying. Mm. You might know the story. Mm-hmm. And he asked the cabin boy to come mm-hmm. and to read him from scripture. And do you remember what what he read? What um, I, I I can't say I've heard the story actually. Oh. I mean, you, you've got a new one on me. It's, oh, okay, uh, yeah. all right. Well, he said, please read um, read the scripture for me. And so this little cabin boy, he opened up and he he read he read a couple of different things. Yeah. But I remember him reading read, reading. Um, this one and John three sixteen. Okay, and you know John three sixteen. Oh, yes, yes. Probably for God by, so loved the world. Yeah, yeah, that He gave, gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, change that to you, Gary. Make it personal. For God so loved the world. God so loved who? For God so loved Gary. Yes. That uh, Gary should not perish. Mm-hmm. But have everlasting life. Yeah. So you've personalized it. Yes. Yeah. And why should would, should Gary not perish? God so loved the world that He gave, gave His only begotten Son for Gary. Powerful. Believing in Him, mm-hmm. 
therefore Gary will not perish. Now, when you make it personal, it makes it so interesting mm. because the Bible is talking to us, you know. And if you read in Isaiah 53 and you look at, um, let's look at verse 5, mm-hmm. 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. Read that for me, please, Gary. Would you want me to insert my own name? I want you to come back to it, yes. All right, okay. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Now make it personal, Gary. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, Gary is healed. I am healed. Mm. Does that not bring tears to your that's eyes, a, Gary? That, that, that is pow- that's a powerful way of reading the scriptures. Yeah. yeah. You can do it with Psalms. Mm-hmm. Pray through the Psalms. You can do it if you know the sanctuary service. You can pray through the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And that reading that way, it makes it so, so personal. Okay. Okay, now that's reading the Bible. I've okay, so when you're actually... Uh, uh, now, is there a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible? Yes, yes, there is. I believe there is, Gary. Um, you could read. I believe someone read the whole Bible in seventy-one hours. Mm-hmm. I would like to know how much that person took in. Okay, okay. And I've discovered that myself. Uh, we're not on a competition to see how many books we can read, how many mm. chapters we can read. It's not a duty thing that yeah. you wake up every morning and you tick a little box and say, "I've read three chapters today," because you won't get a lot out of it. Yeah, you might yeah. feel good that you've done it, yeah. but you won't get le- get a lot out of it. Helen, I think I think you actually make a very important point here. There is a big difference between reading. And studying yes. the Bible. Do you know, um, I, I really appreciate what you've just said there because what you've done is personalized mm. your reading of the scriptures. Yes. I think that's powerful. Do you know, one of the things that certainly helped me is in my reading is actually rewriting books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, one of the things that I'm really conscious of in my own experience is that when I read, I tend to read too quickly. And what tends to happen when I write is that I'll actually have a page or a small book and on one page I can rewrite the text. I've done this with the Gospels. Uh, I've done this with the book of Hebrews. I, I've done this with, uh, with numerous portions of the Scripture. One side of the page, I certainly write the text. On the other side, I can actually write what the, my, my thoughts and my mm. comments. But because I'm, it, because writing forces me to go slowly, things jump out at me that wouldn't otherwise jump out at me. So I, I think you've, you know, I mean, I, I really appreciate this personalization of the scriptures. Yeah, look, I think, I think it's putting yourself in there very much. Mm. When you read about the crucifixion, just, just in your mind's eye, if you can see yourself standing in that crowd, Mm. How would you feel about that? And yeah. I agree with you writing down. Journaling is what we call it, and I think it's very, very powerful. Mm. But, you know, Gary, when it comes to actually studying the Bible, there mm-hmm. are a lot of methods, and I have to be honest with you, when I went through and looked at different books on how to study, it just blew my mind. I kept thinking, oh, no, this is just too much. Yeah. And I, I, I quickly jotted down a few that 
um, that I gleaned. It said, in order to read the Bible with understanding, we need to answer three primary questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. The first question requires observation. The next requires interpretation. And the third requires application. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds pretty good. Okay. It's a bit complex. Let's unpack it that is. a little bit. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually not going to unpack that okay, bit because right. I yeah, think yeah. we'll run out of time and yep, I'd really yep. want to do this other practical one yep, with you. Yep, yep. So bear with me on that one. But it also goes on to say you might want to look at who. Who is the author of the book? Mm-hmm. You know, and and who is who is he talking to? Mm-hmm. And what's the major and minor characters? Well, again, people might think, well, that's just too much work. Yeah. Yep. You know, or you can go and look at where. Where did the events occur? Are there references? to towns and cities and some people interested in looking up maps. But how do I practically do this though? Okay, again, you want pen and paper. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at where the events occurred and you look in the Bible and it says, all right, this occurred in Phoenicia. Okay, just just backtrack a little bit. Where do I actually start? I mean, is, for example, if I'm going to study the Bible, would you start in Genesis 1? I mean, that's the very start of the Bible. Let's... where, where, where would you recommend that you start? Well, it's so interesting you bring that up, Gary, because one of our ministers, he went on his ordination speech, mm-hmm. he actually took um, the f- first passage of the Bible. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God created the heaven and mm-hmm. earth, and he said it in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, it just made such an impact on me. Mm. I went home and I wanted to read Genesis in Hebrew. Mm. I never succeeded. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but just to, that was really the start of me wanting to do in-depth study. Mm. You know, because it just brought out different things with it. Yep. I wouldn't recommend people start in Genesis. They'll get, make it through Genesis and, you know, and Exodus. They'll get, um, Leviticus, and they'll say, oh, this is too much. If anybody hasn't read the Bible before, I certainly recommend the Gospels, and that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And again, even though Genesis and Leviticus and that are all about Jesus, it brings it out clearer in the New Testament. I know. Uh, just starting. I know. In my own case, um, uh, when I when I've done some rewriting, books that I've particularly appreciated have been uh, um, the Gospel of Luke, and then flowing through because, of course, Luke also wrote the Book of Acts. Acts. And the, one of the, the books that I've really appreciated is to start with. Um, I like the Book of Luke um, I, because it's actually done in a in a systematic. It's done in a logical fashion. Uh, the, the Luke, Doctor Luke, actually researched his facts, mm. and he wrote the story of Christ in a very logical fashion. And then he f- continued by writing the, his next book, which was the Gospel. Well, I call it the Gospel of Acts because to me, there's actually so much good mm. news mm. in in the Book of Acts. And to me, I certainly recommend many people to to start with Luke and then flow across into Acts. And to me. I like I like the idea of a personalizing, but I also like the concept of being able to rewrite those books. And you can give those books that you rewrite as a gift to somebody. Yes, you can. Yeah. You can. Actually, it's interesting. The Bible is a Bible for everybody. Mm. And even if someone isn't a studier of the Bible, I've, I've met a couple before who they were struggling in their marriage. Mm. And I remember reading about a doctor who gave a prescription to someone that came mm. Mm. and he his prescription is what I give to people that are struggling in their marriage. Mm. I say, all right, 1 Corinthians 13, Yeah, you read it morning and night for 30 days. 
Okay. Of and course, First Corinthians thirteen, for those who, who may yes. not be aware, is the great love chapter I was in Scripture. For that. Yes. Yeah. And even though they they didn't know the Bible, by yeah. doing it every day, morning and night, yeah. they had to think about those words, mm. and that was a powerful impact. Yeah. Why I just mentioned these things before, and I've got this sheet, and I'm going to throw it out actually because it wasn't for me, but some people like to know the who, the where, the when, the what, the why, the how. And, you know, and those sort of things. So that's one way. Another one is asking question, is there a, a command for me, a promise for me, an example, a sin to avoid or confess, reason for thanksgiving or praise? What does it teach me about God? Now, they were all very well, but I still was struggling. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to a, um, a pastor, Pastor Ivor Myers. You mm-hmm. may or may not know him. Um, and he actually came out with... The five dimensions of Bible study. Okay. And I felt that the five dimensions were just important, and I teach this as well. The five dimension is is looking at Jesus or looking at ourselves, looking at what's coming out of, in case what you're wondering what I'm doing, Gary, I'm just looking for my sheet here with it all on it. Um, yeah, in case we forget, five dimensions, let me tell you this. If, for example, we look up Exodus 25, 8, let's do that quickly. I know we don't have a lot of time. Okay, Exodus 25, uh, 25, 8. eight. Yes. Okay, and uh, this a very verse, short verse. A very short verse. Yes. And uh, this verse says, um, uh, oh, it's marked in my Bible, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. Okay, not a big verse, is it? Not a big verse all at right. all. But they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Mm. And here we're looking, we're going to look at Jesus on every page, if you like, you know. Um, we're going to hang pictures in the hall mm-hmm. of what's happening here. So we want to look at the first dimension for Bible study is, is it literal or symbolic? Okay, so what is this text saying literally? Yes, is it literal or symbolic? Okay, all right, so let's read it again. Um, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. Well, he's talking about an earthly sanctuary here, mm-hmm. so this is something that's very literal. He's asking the people to do something. Okay, so on your sheet you would write, and I've given you a sheet, Gary, there, dimension one, um, what is it saying? text saying literally? It's make me a sanctuary. Make a sanctuary, yes. okay. So it is literal, isn't it? Yes. Okay, and you can put any other ideas that come to you. We're just going through this yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Okay, number two, the second dimension, is it about Christ? What is this text saying about Jesus? Okay, okay. Um you might have to help me out on this one here because on the surface this doesn't appear to say a great deal about Christ himself. Okay. Well, what was the sanctuary all about? Uh, the sanctuary, of course, was a, uh, I call it a, a place of safety. Um, in the, in the Old Testament, of course, it was a building where people, where the Israelite nation came to worship and to offer sacrifice, uh, to, to the Lord God. Okay. Was the sanctuary symbolic? Or was uh, it real? It was very real. Okay. It was real. And what was it to show them? Um, Sorry, you're leading oh, me again. I'm, I'm really enjoying <laughs> this, Gary. I, I tell you, I'm I supposed wish, to be asking the questions. <laughs> I'm oh. so enjoying this. I wish we had a lot longer on yeah. this one, Gary. Yeah. yeah. What was the sanctuary to be all right? What was God trying to do? What did he want to do anyway? 
He wanted to dwell amongst the yeah. people. Right. So as God, he wanted to dwell amongst the people. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Okay. And what it was he trying to show them through the sanctuary? It's all about Jesus, remember? Well, that's certainly what the book of Hebrews says about yeah. the sanctuary. It talks about uh, the, the the sacrifice uh, representing uh, Jesus Christ. Confession of sin coming on over the lamb. Okay. So if we look at it from that point of view, if you, you said, all right, well, I don't know what this is about. So you look at Exodus 25. And and you might want to read before it and afterwards. But as you go through it, it says, you know, in the New Living Translation, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Mm-hmm. So that's one of your keys, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right back in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. God wanted to dwell with us. In other words, in digging into this text, what we see is a God that uh, who commands a sanctuary in order that he might dwell with amongst them. Absolutely. And then you say, people say, well, then how do I find out something else from that? I'm new to Bible study. Mm -hmm. In most Bibles, Gary, there is a center column. I don't know if you've got one, but Mm -hmm. I certainly have on here. And it it, quite often it will give you a corresponding um, text to look up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For example, in mine here, it says Exodus 25, 8. You can look up Exodus 29, 45, 36, 1 to 5, and Deuteronomy 12 to 11. Okay. So So that's building on it. It's building on what that yes. that passage is actually saying. Yeah, and we're actually told here a little, there a little, you know, precept upon precept. Okay. So yeah. you might spend a long time just on, on that first question or the second question. Yeah. And some yeah. of them you may not have an answer to at all. Yeah. Okay, so that's the second. First dimension, is it literal or symbolic? Second dimension, what is it saying about So these Jesus? are different questions that you're asking yes. about the text. The first yes. question that you're asking is, what is the text saying literally Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, yes, um, and you might even want to insert your name into mm. into that ah, text absolutely. as you as you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Um, what is the text saying about Jesus? Yes. Is is the next question that yes. you're, you're asking? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And remember that Jesus and God are one. Yes. Okay. So if it's saying about God, it's speaking about Jesus as well. And then the third dimension is what's it saying about me? Mm. What's that text saying, Gary, uh, to you? Well, here it is, the sanctuary that I may dwell. To me, this text is saying that I serve a God who wants to dwell with me. Oh, Gary, you make me want to cry. (laughs) That is beautiful. Mm. And so Mm. you write that down on your sheet. You know, I I hand out sheets with this for people to do it. God loves me that much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. 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 Even while a sinner, the scripture tells me he died for me. Yeah. Because he wants to dwell with me. Just hone in on that for a minute, Gary. I wish we had more time, you know, to think about it. He wants to dwell with me. I know I'm going to wrap it up very quickly. Okay, so that's the third one. What's it saying about me? And you might find several things. The the fourth one dimension is what is the text saying about the church? Mm. Well, the sanctuary was a place where they all got together. Yeah. And they confessed their sins. And they worshipped. Yeah. And we could go into that a long yeah, way too. Yeah. And dimension five, what is the text saying about heaven? Mm. Well, if we were to read on to the next verse, Gary, can you read verse nine for me, please? Uh, verse nine uh, says says this, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And where was the pattern? Where was the pattern? The pattern, of course, was shown to Moses from the pattern 
of the the, the sanctuary in heaven. Amen. Mm. Amen. So that that tells me a lot. It tells me about heaven. Yeah. It tells me God doesn't want to just dwell with us here. He loves us so much. He yeah. wants to spend eternity. And yeah. by the way, he loves us so much. He doesn't want to just have a takeaway meal with you yeah. when you're studying the Bible. He wants to sit down and have a feast. Yeah. Yeah. Dust off the Bibles. So so really what you're doing here is you are applying the text to yourself. Mm-hmm. And to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, that really brings a powerful understanding of what the scriptures are actually saying. Because, oh, it's a great way um, to study, Gary. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly when we're talking about, uh, about Christ's salvation, Christ's uh, sacrifice, you look at that and you say, this happened for me. Yes. Um, very, very powerful. Mm. Um, what what you're sharing here, Helen. We're going to have to take a take a, a, a very quick break. Uh, let's come to Michael Smith. Uh, ancient words. Uh, this is a really a majestic, a beautiful song. Let please enjoy this together, and then we come back because we are starting uh, to, uh, to to run out of uh, of time once again. Jesus save me and from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Mrs. Helen Gray. This is the program where we look each week at difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, today, I've got with me Helen Gray. And Helen, of course, is the uh, lay uh, pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, Helen, you've been talking uh, with us about how do I read the Bible so it really speaks to me. I'm conscious we're starting to uh, to lose our time. Can you just 
just bring it together, sum it up. I mean, how how do you two or three very key points? How do I read the Bible so it really speaks to me? Okay, Gary, I just want to sum up what we were just talking before the five dimensions. If people want to jot it down, first dimension literal, second dimension Christ, third dimension me, fourth dimension church fifth dimension heaven it's like seeing in five dimensions that's one but the most important one that i believe took an impact on me and you today was making it very personal i want to finish on a text if i may and the text is one john one nine my favorite text which says um yours probably says a little different to mine i think if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. If we bring that to a personal one, Gary, what will we say? He is he faithful and just to forgive my sins. Yeah, you, Gary, mm. me, Helen. Mm. You know, and it's not just some, it's, it's saying all of our sins. Okay, so I'd like to leave that thought with you. Have we got time for prayer or have we run out? Let's have prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, it's a delight to talk about you. Father, I pray that the listeners have learned, as we have, another avenue to study you. Help us to make this Bible personal, the living word, and may it transform our lives. May we make a covenant with you to study it every single day, Lord, and to get closer to you and each other, I pray in your loving name. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends, our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on the Drive Time Show. Tomorrow we're going to continue to dig into the subject when we're joined by Pastor David Butcher, President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. He's going to pull it all together as we ask, why is the Bible so important if I'm to understand Jesus? I really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may the Lord richly bless you